So we learned about Ibad rahman that how a person when he recognizes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Ar-Rahman, then what happens to him? It affects his walk, it affects his speech, it affects how a person interacts with other people, especially those who are behaving ignorantly with him. We learned that the recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala develops patience and maturity within a person, a level of tolerance, and such level of self-control that a person is able to stay awake at night and spend time in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the recognition of Allah develops such uh, fear in a person that a person realizes that this dunya is temporary and the real abode is the hereafter. And so the du'as of Ibadul Rahman, number one is that they ask Allah to protect them from hellfire. Because they realize what a terrible place hellfire is. Then we see this maturity, this sabr, or this level of self-control is also displayed in how their Ibadul Rahman spend. That how they're neither extravagant nor are they stingy, rather they are moderate when it comes to spending. And at the same time, clear understanding of what is right and what is wrong. So they keep away from sins such as shirk, from sins such as murder, from zina. Why? Because these sins are very serious. They are punishable. Whoever does these actions, he will definitely be punished in the hereafter, except for the one who repents. And then we learn about the benefit of repentance that when a person sincerely repents, he reforms his faith, he changes his actions, he does amal salih, then Allah will convert his sins into good deeds. And this is the mercy of Ar-Rahman. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا And then we see that the sign of accepted repentance is that a person leaves his sin and he performs amal salih. Because وَمَنْ تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَتَابَ He has truly repented to Allah in sincere repentance. Who? The one who has left his sin. Taba. And remember, taba literally means to turn back. So when a person turns back to Allah, because you see, every action that we're doing, we are going towards a particular goal. Right? We are moving towards something with whatever action that we're doing. So for example, if we are eating or drinking or we tell somebody, I came just because of you or I came just because of coffee. Well, you can say you came just because of coffee or you came just because of the other person, but in reality, you came because of your own self. Right? You wanted to enjoy the company of the other person and you wanted to enjoy a nice cup of coffee. Right? So there's always a goal. Always an intention behind an action. So whenever a person is sinning, whenever a person is disobeying Allah, is his goal Allah? Not at all. So when a person leaves a sin, then who is he turning back to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's about redirecting yourself. Right? Telling yourself that no, I cannot go in this direction anymore. I have to turn back and go to Allah. So وَمَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا He changes his actions. Then this person has truly repented. And then we see that the Ibadul Rahman also, they keep away from lying. And they are not present in a place where zur is being done. They take no interest in lying, in falsehood, in wrong actions. And I told you the different explanations of Zur according to the Sahaba and the Tabi'un. Basically, Zur refers to an open sin, a gathering of sin. So they keep away from it. And when they see useless things being done, what do their Ibadul Rahman do? They do not indulge in it, rather, they pass by 
How? Honorably. Then, وَالَّذِينَ And those who, إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا When they are reminded, بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ With the signs of their Lord. ذُكِّرُوا ذُكِّرُوا This is from dhikr. Right? They are reminded. Being reminded, what does that mean? That a person knew from before, but he forgot. Correct? Why is it that he forgot? What's the reason? Why is it that we forget things that we know? Just think about it generally. Why is it that we forget things that we know? We're distracted. Like for example, you've been telling yourself, right, that when I leave the house today, I have to take my water bottle with me. I have to, I have to, I have to. Okay, so what happens? You realize that there's only five minutes left to class, so you have to rush out of the house. And as you're rushing, you barely grab your phone and your books. Who's going to remember the water bottle at that time? You're not going to remember it. You're going to forget. Why? Because you were distracted. Right? Now, anger, does that make you forget? Very easily. It makes you forget what akhlaq is. Right? right? It makes us forget what it means to talk properly. It makes us forget our manners. Right? You know, the dua, Bismillah alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fil samai wa huwa sami'ul alim. Saying this dua three times in the morning, three times in the evening, this is a source of protection. So one of the narrators of this hadith, when he was mentioning this hadith, he said that since I learned about it, I never left it. Okay. Now, this person who was narrating this hadith, he had some physical injury. Alright, and the person who was listening to his student, he looked at him and he's like, really? If you had read it every single day, you wouldn't have suffered from this. So he said that, I was angry one day and I forgot. I was angry one day and I forgot to say this dua. And I was thinking, how often is it that we get angry and we forget to make our morning and evening duas? Hmm? So, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا Those people, when they are reminded, what are they reminded of? بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ With the ayat of their Lord. Now remember the two kinds of ayat. Ayat kawni and ayat shari. What we just learned about the Great Barrier Reef, what is that? Ayat kawni. Not just one ayah, many ayat. And ayat shari, meaning the verses that Allah has revealed, the Qur'an. So when they're reminded of the ayat of their Lord, that for example a person is angry and they're reminded, don't speak like this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَإِذَا مَا غَضِبُهُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ For example, the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تغضب, Do not get angry. So when their ibadul rahman are reminded of the ayat of their Lord, what is their reaction? Do they become angry and defensive? No. Allah says, لَمْ يَخِرُّوا عَلَيْهَا They do not fall upon it. صُمَّنْ وَعُمْيَانًا Deaf and blind. يَخِرُّوا خَرَّ يَخِرُّوا is to fall. Alright? Just think about it. If something heavy is falling, is it going to fall in a particular order? No, it's just going to collapse. And in particular, خَرَّ يَخِرُّوا in the Qur'an has been used for the falling of a rooftop. For example, in Surah An-Nahl, ayah 26, فَخَرَّ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّقْفُ مِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ Now imagine a rooftop collapsing, falling. Hmm? So basically, لَمْ يَخِرُّوا They do not collapse عَلَيْهَا On those verses that they have been reminded of, 
Summan wa umiyana, deaf and blind. No. They don't become deaf and blind to the ayat that they are reminded of. Rather, what do they do? They fall down in prostration. Consciously, deliberately, they humble themselves before Allah. Like in Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 108, we learn, وَيَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ يَبْكُونَ They fall down, يَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ On their chins. يَبْكُونَ They're crying. So they humble themselves before their Lord. They look attentively. They listen attentively. They take benefit from the ayat that they have been reminded of. They don't become deaf and blind over there. Now what does it mean? That Ibadul Rahman, they're not some superhumans. They're normal human beings. They learn, but they forget. They learn, they know, but there are times when they get angry, when they get greedy, when their emotions blind them. It's possible. But as soon as they are reminded of the ayat of Allah, what happens? They wake up. Instantly, they change. They respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Bukhari, there's a hadith in which we learn. Sulaiman bin Sud, he said that once I was sitting in the company of the Prophet ﷺ, and two men began arguing with each other. And one of them, he became red with anger. And his veins in his neck, they also swelled up. So you can imagine, extremely angry. Extremely angry. And on that, the Prophet ﷺ said that I know a word which if this person will say it, then he will relax. If he says those words, he will relax. Now this person who was angry, he completely ignored what the Prophet ﷺ said. He was still angry. So one of the Sahaba, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, what is that? And the Prophet ﷺ said, if he says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ His anger will go away, he will relax. So again, the angry person ignored the Prophet ﷺ. So a Sahabi, he said to him that the Prophet ﷺ has said that you should seek protection with Allah against the shaitan. And that angry person said, وَهَلْ بِجُنُونَ Am I mad? Am I crazy? Meaning, why should I say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ I'm not going to say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ You see what happened? He was deaf and blind to the ayat that he was reminded of. Now this incident might seem very shocking to us. How could this happen at the time of the Prophet ﷺ? Because hypocrites existed at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. There were people with weak iman. But sometimes we also behave in a very similar fashion. When we are reminded that this is not how you should talk, or this is not how you should walk, this is not what you should write, this is not what you should do, instantly we become more angry and we become defensive. It's as if we didn't hear anything, we didn't see anything, we didn't understand anything. In Surah Al-Mujadala we learn, إِسْتَحْوَذَ عَلَيْهِمُ الشَّيْطَانِ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ ذِكْرَ اللَّهِ That shaitan has taken full control of them and has made them forget the remembrance of Allah. And you see, istahwada is when one overtakes the other completely. Have you ever seen children climbing on top of each other? Huh? So imagine one on top of the other. Now the one who has been pinned down, what can he do? Nothing. He's just screaming out for help. Right? So sometimes shaitan also completely overtakes a person, his mind, his rationale. So what happens even when he is reminded of the ayat of Allah, he becomes deaf and blind. It's as if he didn't hear a thing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. 
Because Ibadul Rahman are those who listen. When they, when they see things such as the Great Barrier Reef, their heart moves. They're affected by the Qur'an. They don't remain stone and hard and unchanged. No, they are affected. وَالَّذِينَ And those who يَقُولُونَ They say, رَبَّنَا O our Lord, هَبْلَنَا You gift for us. You grant for us. مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا From our wives or our spouses. وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا And our children. أَزْوَاج Plural of زوج. And ذُرِّيَّات Plural of ذُرِّيَّة Children. And spouses are mentioned before children because obviously spouse comes first and then come children. So give us from our spouses, our children, qurrata a'yun, coolness of the eyes, comfort of the eyes. Qurrah, qaf ra ra. Qur literally means shiddatul baruda, extreme cold, extreme cold. And from this, qurur is used for coolness or sukun, calmness, tranquility. When something is cool, all right. What happens when a person is angry or embarrassed? Is their face hot? Is it? Have you ever felt yourself when you're angry? It's as if you have a fever almost. Right? Children, when they're hyper, really hyper, and they're running, bouncing off the walls literally, how are they? Sweating. Face is red, it's hot. Right? And when a person is calm, still, doing their work nicely at a table, then how are they? Nice and cool. Right? So in stillness, there is coolness. Alright? Qurra. And from this, Qurratu Ain is used for the comfort of the eyes. Tell me something. When you cry, when tears are falling down from your eyes, do your eyes feel hot? They do, right? So a hot eye means that a person is very sad, a person is very disturbed, they have been crying, they've been weeping, right? And a cool eye means that a person is happy, right? Satisfied. And qurratu aryun, coolness, comfort of the eye, meaning the moment we look at our spouses, our children, our eyes feel cool. Meaning our problems, they go away the moment we see our family. That our family is really a source of sukoon for us. And this is a huge blessing. Because how many times does it happen with people that outside of the house they're perfectly fine, they're happy. But the moment they enter, their eyes become hot. Why? Because they start crying. And you see this all across, you know, different ages. Even for example, teenagers, the moment they come home, go straight to your room, shut the door and cry in your loneliness. What happens to parents? The child is crying in the room and the mother is crying in the kitchen. Remember, if you are ever sad because of your parents, your parents are also sad. Trust me. They are also sad. Sometimes we feel that our parents don't understand what we're going through. You know, just like parents need to understand children, hmm? I think children also need to understand their parents. It has to be both-sided. And mashallah, I mean, you all are big. You can, you know, try to observe your parents. Think about them, like really logically. Why do you think your dad is upset when he's at home? What's the reason? What could be the reason? Think of things from his perspective. Your mother, why is she freaking out on every little thing? What's the reason? Try to think 
of things from her perspective. Put yourself in her position and then you will understand. Put yourself in your dad's position and then you will understand. But this strife, you know, within the house, problems within the house, this is very painful. So Ibadur Rahman, what do they ask Allah for? That, oh Allah, give us comfort, sukoon, happiness through our children, through our spouses. That yes, we have problems, but the moment we sit with them, we are relaxed. We are a source of peace for each other. And when we are with each other, we are a source of comfort for one another, not a source of pain for one another. Qurrata a'yun. وَجَعَلْنَا and make us لِلْمُتَّقِينَ for the righteous imama an example a leader a guide وَجَعَلْنَا make us لِلْمُتَّقِينَ who are muttaqin people who have taqwa imaman make us their imam who is imam imam is understood as a leader like for example in salah who is the imam the person who is leading the rest of the congregation in prayer and from this, imam is a guide. Right? So, وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama, Meaning, make us a leader of people who have taqwa. What does it mean by this? That grant taqwa to those whom we are leading. Those who are working under us, or those who are under us in any capacity, whether they are children, our children or they are people who are working under us, those who's in charge we are, may give them taqwa, O oh Allah. Gift them with your fear. Because if a person has fear of Allah, then yes, they are successful. Why? Because then they will do what is right in front of you and also behind you. Because they have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ittaqillaha haythu ma kunta. I remember once a group of students from Al-Huda, they were going for a particular program somewhere, and they asked my mother for advice. Because she was teaching them at that time, so they asked her for advice. And she said, اِتَّقِلَّهَا حَيْثُ مَا كُنْتَ The words of the Prophet ﷺ. That fear Allah wherever you are. Don't do right somewhere just because everybody's doing it, and don't do wrong somewhere just because everybody's doing it. Do right and keep away from wrong. Why? Because... Allah is watching you. Allah is listening to you. And when your subordinates, people who are working under you, whether they're students, they're children, whoever they are, if they have taqwa of Allah, only then you can be relaxed. Otherwise, what happens? Constantly, parents, for example, they're checking on their children. Who is my daughter talking to? She's talking on the phone. Take the phone from the other side. and Listen to the conversation. There's no trust. Isn't it so? This trust is what we're missing. Why is it that there's no trust? Because we don't show that we fear Allah. So, وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama. Grant taqwa to those who are under us, to those whom we are leading. Secondly, the word imam can also be understood as a model, an example. Like Ibrahim was described as imam. Because he's an example for all people. So, وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama. Oh Allah, make us an example, a guide, a qudwa, a model for people of taqwa, meaning make us worthy of being the leader of the righteous. In other words, oh Allah, keep us ahead of others in good deeds. That people take us as an example. What do we think generally? Let me take inspiration from others. 
You see, there are people who inspire others and there are others who are constantly seeking inspiration. I'm not saying don't seek inspiration. Seek inspiration. But then when you get inspired, then also inspire others. Alright? وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama. And لِلْمُتَّقِينَ I mean, this is such a beautiful dua. You can make this dua for your children. You can make this dua for your family. You can make this dua you know, for your workplace. Wherever... In whatever situation you are, وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama. Now a person might say, okay, this dua is very relevant to people who are married or people who have children. Since I am not married or since I have no children, I don't need to make this dua. Is that so? Is that so? No. Every single person can make this dua. That, oh Allah, you grant me such a spouse that will be a source of comfort for me. And you grant me such children that will be a source of comfort for me. And people who are under me, Give them taqwa. And keep me ahead in good deeds. Umar radiallahu anhu, he once asked the Prophet ﷺ, that, Ya Rasulullah, what kind of wealth should we keep then? Because, you know, the ayat in Surah Ali Imran about gold and silver, and the different types of wealth that are mentioned, زُيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ حُبُّ Right? So different types of wealth are mentioned over there, gold, silver, horses, and all that. So he said that, okay, these are the things of the world, but does it mean we don't keep any of this? What is it that we should really keep? What is it that we should strive to have then? The Prophet ﷺ said, one should take a grateful heart. Grateful heart. Seek a grateful heart. A remembering tongue. A tongue that is engaged in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a good wife who helps him in the matters of the akhirah. Now Umar anhu was a man. So this is why the Prophet ﷺ said this to him. Huh? And it works the other way also. It works the other way also. That, oh Allah, you grant me such a spouse. Right? And women, those who are married also can make this dua. That, oh Allah, you make my husband righteous. Because sometimes what happens is that women are constantly struggling in their marriage. Constantly struggling. But can we change the heart of a person? We cannot. What can we do? We can just make dua. To Allah. And while we may be very concerned about ourselves, we should be extremely concerned about people who are closest to us. Think about it. The husband that provides for you, doesn't he deserve that you make dua for him? Seriously. The husband who's working five days a week, six days a week, how many ever hours he's working, giving you money so that you can drive and you can go places where you want. Yes, you have responsibilities, but at the same time you have some level of freedom and comfort in your life, how much ever it may be, but it is there. So the husband through whom Allah is providing you, doesn't he deserve that you make dua for him? Hmm? Sometimes we make dua such as, Oh Allah, make him patient and make him control his anger and make him this and make him that. Look at the dua that Allah is teaching us here. رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ Make my spouse a source of comfort for me. Make my children a source of comfort for me. وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama. Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ Those, يُجْزَوْنَ They will be rewarded with الْغُرْفَ The room. Now when you hear the word room, it sounds so small. Doesn't it? Room always sounds small. But every room is not small. Okay? And don't think of room as the room in an apartment. Okay? That is barely big enough to fit your bed in. No. Ghurfa, of course, this is a ghurfa in Jannah. 
And how vast is Jannah? How vast is it? Its width is like that of the skies and the earth combined. So its width is the width of the universe. Just imagine. So the ghurfa in that Jannah, what do you think of that ghurfa? Is it going to be small? Tiny? No. أُولَٰئِكَ يُجْزَوْنَ الْغُرْفَ And remember that ghurfa is ism jins. What I mean by ism jins is basically a noun that is used for singular and plural. Alright? Masculine and feminine. It's like a general term. Generic word. Alright? So for example, the word ni'mah. Ni'mah. Yes, sometimes it's used for one blessing, but sometimes the word ni'mah, like when Allah says, اُذْكُرُوا ni'mati. Remember my ni'mah. Doesn't mean one particular blessing? No, all the blessings. So likewise, ghurfa is ism jins. It doesn't just mean one room. The room, rooms, meaning home. Alright? And in particular, highest compartments, highest rooms, those that are very high, elevated. Why will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give Ibadul Rahman ghurfa? Bima sabaru. Because of their sabr. Because of their patience. What sabr, what patience? If you see from the first quality that is mentioned in this passage to the last one, isn't it sabr? I mean, walking, haunan, doesn't that require sabr? I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult to drive haunan. Very difficult. Just the other day I found out that somebody, because of uh, careless driving, they ran into an accident and their license was suspended for six years. I was like, Ya Allah, protect me. Protect me. Because you have to control yourself, don't you? I mean, you're so tempted when the road is empty that you want to speed. You're so tempted. Right? You just want to. But you have to control yourself that yes, even if there's no police officer, you've agreed to follow the law. So you better follow the law. Correct? So it requires sabr. Now, even when you're walking haunan, that requires sabr. And وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا What does that require? Too much sabr. Correct? Waking up in the night. Does that require sabr? Of course. Making dua for your family. Making dua period. Does that need sabr? Yes. So, أُولَٰئِكَ يُجُزَوْنَ الْغُرْفَةَ بِمَا صَبَرُوا Jannah is reward for sabr. And what is sabr? Sabr is not just patience at the time of difficulty. Alright, we think sabr is that when somebody dies in your family or you're like hurting a lot somewhere in your body, then you're patient in that you don't cry. That's not what sabr is. Sabr doesn't mean you don't cry. Sabr means being patient on what? On obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because sabr is basically habsun nafs, to control oneself. So it is to hold oneself firm on obedience to Allah. Ibad rahman Who are ibad? Plural of abid. Worshipper. So it's about holding yourself firm on the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it means keep doing good, or it means keep away from sin, or it means don't say anything bad even when you're angry, or it means don't say anything negative even though you're sad. These are all different forms of sabr. But sabr essentially is habsun nafs. Controlling oneself on the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that jannah can only be acquired by sabr because the Prophet ﷺ said, حُفَّتِ الْجَنَّةُ بِالْمَكَارِهِ Jannah has been surrounded by difficulties. 
It's not easy to get to Jannah. And حُفَّةِ النَّارُ بِالشَّهَوَاتِ Hellfire has been surrounded with desires. Desires. That's what hellfire is surrounded by. وَيُلَقَّوْنَ And they will be received. فِيهَا in it. يُلَقَّوْنَ They will be met with. فِيهَا in Jannah. Meaning as Ibadul Rahman will enter Jannah, how is it that they will be received? With تَحِيَّةً وَسَلَامًا With تَحِيَّة What is تَحِيَّة? Greeting. And salaman, salam meaning peace. So they'll be received with greeting, meaning as they will enter Jannah, they'll be greeted. Greeted by who? Salam from who? Firstly, Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal. In Surah Yasin ayah 58, we learn, Salamun qawlam min Rabbir Rahim. Salam, greeting. Qawlam min Rabbir Rahim. Message from who? Word from who? Rabb who is merciful, a merciful Lord. Then salam also from the angels, greeting from the angels in Surah Al-Radha 23-24 also we learn, وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ يَدُخُلُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ كُلِّ بَابِ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ Peace be on you, the angels will say. And even from the people of A'raf, we learn in Surah Al-A'raf how when judgment will not be concluded, it will still be going on, there will be some people who will have reached their destination in paradise and others who will have reached their destination in hellfire and some whose matter will be deferred. Why? Because they have an equal amount of good deeds and bad deeds. On the one hand, they have performed amazing good deeds and on the other hand, they have also done really bad deeds. An example that is given is a person who was very righteous so much so that even participated in jihad fi sabilillah but on the other hand he disobeyed his parents. You understand? Both are serious. So these people will be kept at a'raf. And in Surah Al-A'raf we learn that on the a'raf when people will be there on the heights they will look into Jannah and they will see the people of Jannah and they will say وَنَادَوْ أَصْحَابَ الْجَنَّةِ أَنْ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ they will call out to the people of Jannah saying, Peace be on you. So you see, people who enter Jannah, they'll be receiving salam from who? Everyone. From Allah, from the angels, from people. وَيُلَقَّوْنَ فِيهَا تَحِيَّةً Now, has it ever happened to you that you go to a gathering where nobody recognizes you? And because nobody recognizes you, you just go quietly and you just sit on the corner. Huh? And you wait until the, you know, whatever party, whatever it is, it's over so that you can get out because you're feeling so out of place. You don't know anybody. You're feeling awkward. Right? But what happens when you walk into a place and you see one friend who greets you, another friend who greets you, and a third friend who greets you, and you sit down, somebody comes and greets you. And then there's messages going on your phone. I see you. Right? I mean, from everywhere, people are reaching out to you. Isn't that such a good feeling? Isn't it? You feel welcomed. You feel connected. So this is the beauty of Jannah. No person will feel alone. No person. Because Allah will greet him. The angels will greet him. And not just tahiyyah, but salam also. What is salam? Salam is al-aman wal-rahma. Safety, security, and mercy. Meaning a person is safe, no risks, no dangers, nothing, no threats, and only mercy. So salam. In Surah Sabah, ayah 37, we learn, وَهُمْ فِي الْغُرُوفَاتِ آمِنُونَ That the people of Jannah in their homes, they will be aminun, they'll be secure and safe. No worries whatsoever. And this is really a blessing that we take for granted. 
Just the other day I was showing my son a picture of some refugee camp in Syria. Right. And basically it was close to, I guess, a place that had been completely ruined because of the war. And it was a street right, that was between, it seemed like apartment buildings. And those apartment buildings were basically completely destroyed. All right. You couldn't see a window even. You couldn't see the side walls, nothing. It was just like a skeleton, you know, standing there. And the street was just full of hundreds of people. It seemed like an image from Hajj. Literally, it seemed like that. And I was thinking, once upon a time, these buildings were either their homes or their workplaces or their shopping centers. And now, look at the level of danger and insecurity and and the threat that people are constantly living in. This is the reality of this world. And Jannah is a place where there is tahiyya wa salaman. And this is why we really need to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this blessing of safety and security. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Abiding eternally therein. حَسُنَتْ Good, beautiful, excellent is مُسْتَقَرًّا As a settlement. وَمُقَامَ And as residence. About hellfire we learned earlier. إِنَّهَا سَاءَتْ Right? سَاءَتْ مُسْتَقَرًّا وَمُقَامَ It's evil as a temporary place of stay and as a permanent place of stay. Now there is a question. Why is the word mustaqar being used for Jannah then? Isn't mustaqar supposed to mean temporary? How do we understand this? Mustaqar refers to the individual blessings that are in Jannah from which they will move, transition to another. You understand? So even individual blessings of Jannah, each individual blessing of Jannah, what is that? Hasunat. It is excellent. It is beautiful. Because you see, when you're doing something, once you're done, then you move on to the next. And then you move on to the next. Right? So in Jannah, even if a person is doing something for 40 years, alright, and he moves on from his qailula, remember the hadith that I told you? 40 years nap that people will take in Jannah? Just imagine, 40 years nap. Alright? That will be beautiful. Why is it that we move from one task to another in this world? Why? Because we get bored eventually. Isn't it? Like for example, when you're eating your food, even though you're enjoying your food, why is it that you want to have some salad in the middle? Why? Or why is it that you want a sip of Coke, for example, in the middle? Why? Because you want a change. Isn't it? You want a change. So in Jannah, it's not that people are going to transition from one pleasure to another because they're bored of what they're doing. No, it's excellent. Everything is excellent. Hasunat mustaqarran wa muqama. And it's eternal pleasure. That is also beautiful. Allah says, قُلْ Say, مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي مَا What? يَعْبَأُ He would care. بِكُمْ with you. Of you, Rabbi, my Lord, لَوْلَا دُعَاءُكُمْ If it was not for your dua, what would my Lord care for you if not for your supplication, if not for your worshipping Him? Meaning, why would He care for you? Why would He care for you? يَعْبَعُ is from the root letters عَيْن بَهَمْزَ عِبْءٌ عِبْ literally means سِقْل, wait. Alright, wait. Now, it is said, مَا عَبَأْتُ بِهِ 
I don't care about him. Literally what it means is that he has no weight, no value in front of me. I assign no weight to this individual. So he's got no value. I don't care, in other words. So قُلْ مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي What would my Lord care for you? لَوْلَا دُعَاؤُكُمْ If not for your supplication, if not for your ibadah. What does it mean by this? Meaning, you will find Allah caring for you when you care about Him. When you worship Him and call upon Him, you will also find Allah caring towards you. In other words, if you do not worship Him, He would not care to pay attention to you. He would not be concerned with you. This doesn't mean that if a person denies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person cannot breathe anymore. No, Allah is ar-Rahman. He gives to everybody, even those who don't believe in Him. But eventually a time will come when a person, because of his consistent denial, he will not receive any more mercy of Allah. And may Allah protect us from that. Because hellfire is a place where there is no mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So ما يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي لَوْلَا دُعَاؤُكُمْ فَقَدْ كَذَّبْتُمْ For you have denied. Basically the people of Makkah are being addressed. And after them, any person who rejects Allah, that you have denied. What is it that you have denied? Your reality. The purpose for which you were created. And what is that purpose? To worship Allah. And when you deny this reality, then what will happen? فَسَوْفَ يَكُونُ لِزَامًا Then soon it is going to be lizam. It is going to be adherent. Meaning your denial is going to bring punishment that is constantly going to be on you. Lizam from lazim, luzum. What does luzum mean? To be attached to something. Right? When something is necessary, it's incumbent, it is mandatory. There is no separation from it. فَسَوْفَ يَكُونُ لِزَامًا Meaning just as you have adhered to denial, punishment will also adhere to you. So what do we learn from this? That a person has value near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of what reason? Give me the answer from this ayah. Because of his dua. ukum. Because the most honorable thing near Allah is dua. The more dua a person makes, and dua is ibadah, it is worship. The more a person worships Allah, the greater his rank is near Allah. And the less a person makes dua to Allah, the farther he is from Allah, and the lesser the rank he has near Allah. More dua, more closer to Allah. Less dua, less rank near Allah. So in order to be close to Allah, what do we have to do? We have to become of Ibadul Rahman. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh my servants, you can neither do me any harm, nor can you do me any good. O oh my servants, even if the first among you, and the last among you, and even if the whole human race of yours, and that of the jinn, become equal in God consciousness, like the heart of a single person amongst you, meaning like the most muttaqi person, most righteous person that you know of, if every human being became like him, and every jinn became like him, nothing would add to my power. O my servants, even if the first among you, and the last among you, and the whole human race of yours, and that of the jinn, all become the most wicked, like the heart of a single person, meaning like the most wicked one that you know. Like for example, if everyone became like Iblis, Every single human being and every single jinn became like Iblis. It would not cause any loss to my power. Because Allah is independent of us. 
O my servants, if the first among you, and the last among you, and the whole human race of yours, and that of jinn also, stand in one plain ground, and you ask me, and I confer upon every person what he asks for, it would not in any way cause any loss to me. It would not reduce the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even as much as a needle dipped in the ocean. O oh my servants, these are your deeds, meaning what you're doing, your actions, they matter. I will reward you for them. Meaning if you do good, I will reward you for them. So he who finds his deeds to be good, he should praise Allah. And he who does not find his deeds to be good, then he should blame only himself. Who should he blame? Only himself. So what's the message of this hadith? Allah is independent of us. If we want something, we can always ask Allah for it. Because Allah, it doesn't cause him any loss giving to his creation. He is the giver. Everything belongs to him. We belong to him also. What matters is not the material things that we have collected, but the deeds that we have performed. It is because of deeds that a person has status near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَنِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنًا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيتُونَ لِرَبِّهِمْ سُجَّدًا وَقِيَامًا وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا اصْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمْ إِنَّ عَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا إِنَّهَا سَاءَتْ مُسْتَقَرًّا وَمُقَامًا وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَٰهًا آخَرَ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ وَمَن يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَ أَثَامًا يُضَاعَفْ لَهُ الْعَذَابُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا إِلَّا مَن تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَئِكَ فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتٍ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَّحِيمًا وَمَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَتَابًا وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورَ وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا كِرَامًا وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ لَمْ يَخِرُّوا عَلَيْهَا صُمًّا 
Subhanakallahu <laughs> bihamdik,